0: The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon,
1: period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived, and in the last days neither your heart nor your faith will fail you.
0: Welcome, everyone, to episode 132 of the Book of Mormon podcast. As always, you have me and Kevin here with you. Hey there. And we're going to be in Alma 43 today. And also, long time no see, or long time no listen. (laughs) Sorry, y'all. We were actually, for the first time, we finally got COVID as a family, like all of us, me, Kevin, and Adeline. And so we were just enjoying some quarantining time. And to be honest... Our throats, like that, was a really bad symptom. Kevin and I had our throats hurt a lot, and so it wouldn't have been very fun to talk last Sunday. So that's why we missed a week. But it's okay. We're back on the path. We have a habit, you know, almost th- three years in. Yep. Yeah, almost three years in, and we're here. So we're glad that you're listening.
1: We missed a, an opportunity to have a guest on. Um, oh, that we was might. Sad. We might get them. Uh, no. He-
0: No, the, well, at least one elder. We were going to have the missionaries, Mm -hmm. but one elder is transferring next week. Oh, I see. Yeah.
1: So. We'll miss him. Elder, elder. Maybe if he comes back to the mission and we can snag him or something. I don't know.
0: Or when we go to Utah, we can try and snag him. Or Idaho.
1: Yeah, something like that. Yeah.
0: Anyway.
1: Anyway, down to brass tacks. We're in Alma 43, right? Yeah. (laughs) And we've just finished. Uh, the the wonderful chapters of Alma giving his sons some counsel, teaching some doctrine, and this really this really kicks off the latter part of the Book of Alma, talking about the war, war chapters. I mean, I guess technically they they start uh, in chapter forty five, but mm-hmm. It practically starts now. For, for the rest of the book of Alma, it's just a bunch of battles and the wars and contentions between the Lamanites and the Nephites.
0: So, if we can, I actually wanted to start off this chapter because we're going to get into the wars, right?
1: Oh, we'll definitely be getting into the wars. Yeah.
0: And I wanted to share something that I learned from Dr. Brene Brown and I wanted to start us off with or I think it'd be expedient to start us off with this. She was um, just kind of talking about relationships in general and love and things like that and she shared a term called common enemy intimacy and basically what that means how she explained it was when two people come together in a relationship or like a correspondence based on the only common thing they have is an enemy, that relationship or that correspondence is not fulfilling or it's not lasting. Um, And she compared it to, you know, what makes relationships and and things last. And I immediately thought of uh, this chapter specifically because the Lamanites come to war against the Nephites, but partnered with the, um, I'm blanking, the Amlicites? The Amlicites.
1: The the Zormites. Zormites,
0: thank you, sorry. So they partnered together because they had a common enemy, which was the Nephites. So I just thought it was very interesting that she shared that term. And obviously she was not talking about the gospel, but I thought about it and was like, wow, this is very, very applicable to our chapter 43, starting with these moving forward into these war chapters. Their relationship is not a lasting relationship.
1: Either. Right.
0: So, anyway, I just had to start us off there.
1: Yeah. Well, and and there's been so much history and so much. I guess we've talked so much about these different groups of people. We have a firm foundation of understanding of the the, the complexities between them right we know Mm -hmm. there were missions to go and reclaim people to the Lord and then there were there were contentions in that way and well nevertheless the first two verses of this this chapter uh pertain to Alma and just just to get those uh out of the way I guess you could say (laughs) before we get into the the true narrative format Uh, It says that Alma did go forth among the people uh, to declare the word unto them. Um, Rather, his sons did go forth among the people to declare the word unto them. But Alma also himself could not rest. And he went and he also preached, which which is interesting. I mean... We don't know what prompted him to have these, these council uh, sessions or these, these priesthood interviews with his sons, but one could say one could imagine that it was because he was getting old in age and maybe preparing, you know, his, his estate. Right. Um, I don't know, but Yeah, they go out and they continue preaching, but verse two clearly says this is this is Mormon here saying we shall say no more concerning their preaching, except that they preached the word and the truth according to the spirit of prophecy and revelation, and they preached after the holy order of God by which they were called. So they went out. Preaching gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, with the power and authority of their calling, and instead, we turn to the the account of the wars between the Nephites and the Lamanites in the eighteenth year of the reign of the judges. And so, oh, what were you going to say? I
0: was just going to say, remember to kind of connect the narrative here: the reign of the judges was set up by King Benjamin. Right. So following through. I mean, we're 18 years down since he set that up. I just think it's a cool reminder. So only 18 years have passed and look what's happening.
1: <clears throat> right.
0: Which we'll get into that. And and this is what I talked about in the beginning here. It says, um, for behold, it came this is in verse four. It came to pass that the Zoramites became Lamanites. And that's what I was talking about with the common enemy intimacy. <clears throat> And so it said, therefore, in the commencement of the 18th year, the people of the Nephites saw that the Lamanites were coming upon them. So they then began to make preparation for war because they're not, they're not just sitting there thinking they're going to be happy and have no war. So they know mm-hmm. that the enemy is encroaching or approaching.
1: Right. Uh, of course, we, we hope for peace and we are peacemakers. But when your enemy is right there on the border and they have, they're have they enmeshed with uh, a, a domestic threat, you know, the Zoramites being right there along the border of the land of, of Jershon, uh, any nation that desires peace must be prepared to go to war, mm-hmm. uh, especially in this context. So now this chapter we could we could go in a couple different ways we didn't necessarily come up with like a real uh strict outline or anything but there's a couple of main people that i think is that are important to to address so the leader of the lamanites is a man by the name of zarahemna and it says that in verse 5, the, the Lamanites came with their thousands, and they came into the land of Antionum. okay? It's the land of the Zoramites. So, wherever Alma and his sons were preaching uh, previously among the Zoramites, that's where they, they are. So, Zarahemna, who's the leader of the Lamanites, the armies, I guess, well, I guess maybe just Maybe he's the new king of the Lamanites. We don't really know his position, but he is their leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and now in verse six, as the Amalekites, who are Nephite dissenters, right, they were Nephites and they forsook. Um, they basically decided not to live according to the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, being taught. They decided uh, so
0: they knew it, and then they're not following Right. It. They dissented.
1: And you could say the same thing for the Zoramites. The Zoramites were also in the same category right. of, uh, of apostasy. And they were more wicked and murderous than the Lamanites were. In and of themselves, therefore, Zarahemna appointed chief captains over the Lamanites, and they were all Amalekites and Zoramites. That's very interesting. Zarahemna chooses the most wicked and murderous of people to appoint as chief captains. So he puts uh, these, uh, I I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to repeat it, but he puts these especially wicked men in positions of power so that there's no possibility of like holding back He wants the most mayhem. He wants the most carnage. He wants the most murder to occur. The best way to do that is to put these uh, men of the appropriate disposition in leadership positions.
0: And it says that in verse 7 right there. That's right. Now he did this that he might preserve their hatred towards the Nephites to bring them, it says, into subjection. To the accomplishment of that of his designs
1: of his designs, right, Zarahemnas. right. It's a it's a mastermind plan to not. I mean, not only did he lead his people to war, but now he wants the most catastrophic war possible.
0: Well, and his it tells us his designs in the right verse eight, which are to stir up the Lamanites to anger against the Nephites, which he's done a pretty good job at that, <laughs> that he might assert great power over them. And also that he might gain power over the Nephites to bring them into bondage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: basically wants them to be his slaves, have no freedom.
1: Yeah. Now, in verse 9, it, it co- contrasts <laughs> the uh, designs of wickedness and the designs of righteousness mm-hmm. by saying now the design of the nephites was to support their lands and their houses and their wives and their children that they might preserve them from the hands of their enemies and also that they might preserve their rights and their privileges yea, and also their liberty that they might worship God according to their desires and as we will see the more noble designs will always lead to um, support from Heavenly Father, um, the, the designs of righteousness, right? Yeah. So verse 10, they knew that if they should fall into the hands of the Lamanites, that whosoever should worship God in spirit and in truth, the true and living God, the Lamanites would destroy. They also knew in verse 11, the extreme hatred of the Lamanites towards their brethren, who were the people of anti-Nephi-Lehi, who were also called the people of Ammon, and they would not take up arms. Remember, they had entered into a covenant, and they would not break it. Therefore, if they should fall into the hands of the Lamanites, they would be destroyed. So the Lamanites, they have protected the people of Ammon before, and they're going to do that again. Uh, "The people of Ammon give unto the Nephites a large portion of their substance to support their armies um, so there's that that alliance that they formed mm-hmm. and so there's a there's an obligation, I think as well to protect them but it's also it's a it's a mutual uh, relationship of support. So and it says that th- this is interesting in verse 11. Uh, it talks about the Lamanites and it describes them as uh, a compound of Laman and Lamiel and the sons of Ishmael and all those who had descended from the Nephites who were Amalekites and Zoramites and the descendants of the priests of Noah. So kind of like what we were talking about earlier, uh, all of these different types of people basically, are now a compound. They, they all are now, I think this is more for Mormon's sake to now make it more simple and say, all these people I'm going to refer to as Lamanites. And he's done that a few times in in the past throughout the book of Mormon, where instead of saying all these ites, because there are many, he's just going to simplify it. And now say the people who are this compound of all of these, uh, different ites who are against the Nephites, we're going to call them Lamanites and the Nephites are the people of God. And and so, um, but it's interesting. He goes back and he, you know, we as, as students of the book of Mormon, right. People who have gotten, gotten deep into it over the past couple of years. uh, We, we see these names and we know the stories behind each of these people.
0: So, Kevin, we watched, I know you've been talking a lot, but I do want to hear your answer to this question because I thought of it when you were talking. Yeah. We watched this morning Elder Ugdorf give mm. a, uh, I don't know, a, a talk, a broadcast on teaching in the Savior's way. And so not that we're teaching people here, but we are discussing the gospel. And one question he said, or one statement he made was that Whenever you're talking about the gospel or teaching the gospel, you should always be pointing to the Savior. Mm -hmm. So amidst all these things that you just explained that are like wars and not wars, but designs and intentions, where do we see the Savior in
1: all of this? Or where
0: do you see the Savior in all of this?
1: Yeah, I really, I really appreciate that you bring that up. I see the Savior in the specifically in the nephites uh actions they they're living their beliefs they're living the gospel you know they it talks about their designs and they're very noble but then they actually they actually come to the assistance of of their allies the people of ammon and then, you know, the leader of the Nephites, we know, is a man appointed to be the chief captain over the Nephites. And his name was Moroni. And I believe it's Mormon who later will say that if, if what, if all men were like Moroni, okay. Captain Moroni, then the devil would have no power over the children of men, or something like that. We'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, so I won't have to paraphrase it for long.
0: <laughs> I see the Savior in the same way that you see him there. I think the Savior is guiding Captain Moroni, like we'll learn here, and he he's always aware of his people. I mean, he's not he's not leaving them alone. He knows they're in a rough spot. He knows of the hatred that has been, I guess, preserved and cultivated, right? And so he understands that and he is going to help his people. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be some trouble and some strife, which we know there will be, but he is there to support his people.
1: I see that support through all the missionary stories up to this point. You know, Mm -hmm. the Lord, not only did he call these these missionaries all the way back, right? All the way back to Alma, the younger, as he, he goes about and the sons of Mosiah as mm-hmm. they go out. And I mean, for the past, for the past 43 chapters, right, there there's been missionary work the past 18 years, right? Right. Uh, there's been missionary work. It's um, just spread all throughout the land into the land of the lamanites throughout the land of of sarahemla among the nephites and that has been a way of supporting and fortifying the church and the the nephites in preparation for these battles and so uh that's that's also where i see the lord his hand has been over them and now although we're going to talk a lot about the wars he's been supporting them and sustaining them all throughout this he's been um creating uh, he's gonna he's been like facilitating mm-hmm. alliances and and strength that will protect them throughout the wars.
0: And just to bring this like in this unto ourselves today, if this doesn't ring true to us right now, I don't know what does because there are I think you'd be naive if you didn't believe that there are people who don't like us. (laughs) And when I mean us, I just mean Christians, anybody who believes in God or Christ, it's becoming not the norm anymore. And so there are designs. I mean, was it president Nelson who said, yes, that Satan is not hiding his designs anymore. They are blatantly out in the open. So this should bring us comfort. As we read these, these chapters about war moving forward, knowing that the Lord is very aware and can see every war that will come and every design that the enemy has. And so he will prepare us and he has his apostles and his prophets and leaders of the church guiding us to help us prepare for that. Just like Captain Moroni here prepares his people and learns intentions of the Lamanites. So let's dive into that now with that perspective of if that can bring, this should bring you peace given today's climate in 2022. Mm. So Moroni, he, he's only 25 years old, but he is appointed the captain is over the Nephites, as uh, Kevin mentioned earlier. And something that I love was he, he comes to meet, In 18 and 19, it says he comes to meet the Lamanites in the borders of Jershon. Because we talked about how they were right around the borders, that Lamanites were. And it says his people were armed with swords and scimitars and all weapons of war. Okay. So that's uh, Moroni's people. But also, he armed them with breastplates, arm shields, shields to defend their heads, and also dressed with thick clothing. Which the Lamanites... Did not have. They only had their weapons of war, which were swords, scimitars bows and arrows, stones and slings, and and they were it says and they were naked, save it where skin which is skirted about their loins. So the Lamanites, by div- or sorry, the Nephites by divine design from Captain Moroni, are more prepared than the Lamanites. Mm-hmm. Which there's the hand of the Lord right there for me. There's the Savior right there. So. It's something little when you think about it, but it makes a big difference, and they can see that. It says that uh, when the armies of Nephi saw the people of Nephi, I mean, I think they were a little bit taken back (laughs) because they didn't have those things.
1: It talks about how there are, um, in verse 21, it says just to kind of piggyback on what you said, Shelby.
0: Yeah, thank you for, I missed that verse, so go ahead and say that.
1: They were not armed with breastplates, the Lamanites, nor shields. Therefore, they were exceedingly afraid of the armies of the Nephites because of their armor, notwithstanding their number being so much greater than the Nephites. When I read that earlier this week, my thoughts immediately turned to the verse in, uh, Let us all press on, which is though our numbers may be few, right? When
0: compared with the opposite host in view.
1: The Lamanites and their thousands, right? As Mm -hmm. we read earlier in this chapter, I feel like, and this is totally, like I don't have anything to back this up, (laughs) but imagine this like effort To get all of the lamanites over to this land you know um and in their haste they did not prepare armor to protect themselves they just thought if we just get over there with our number with our our great numbers then we can we can win against them and that's that's kind of the strategy of Satan. He's going to make us feel like, oh, there's no that we, there's no way we can win because so many people are against us, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter that we have armor, that we have protection from God. Um, we're, we're hopelessly outnumbered. So there's no way, mm-hmm. there's no way that we can make it. But that's not true because the the forces of the enemy are more scared than we are.
0: It's true. And something that they realized in that moment, I'm jumping down some Mm -hmm. verses to 37 and 38, but it talks about when they begin to fight. I'm really skipping here. So just so you know, but it goes with what you're saying. When they begin to fight the Lamanites, their, their nakedness is exposed. And something that stood out to me was, in verse 38, where it says, Well, on the other hand, there is now and then a man that fell among the Nephites by their swords and loss of blood, they being shielded from the more vital parts of the body or more vital parts of the body being shielded from the strokes of the Lamanites. So the Lamanites are realizing that their vital parts that are keeping them living, like their heart and their, you know, things, their breastplate, they don't have that. And so they are... They're afraid because they know that they're not as protected, and that's it. Satan's not gonna protect you. He doesn't care. Um, he just wants to drag you down to misery. So he, honestly, he probably is like, "Ha ha, suckers! You're you're fallen, and you're gonna die."
1: Well, yeah, but at they, least I
0: got you to at this point,
1: right? They've <laughs> they've kind of sacrificed their own safety and and security, mm-hmm. kind of being well, and we know. That Zarahemna, their leader, had, that's his design. Oh yeah, he, he doesn't care about the people. He's putting these very wicked men, these murderous men, as their captains. Which, if you don't think they're, they're also, um, you know, uh, very. Uh, what I'm I'm not I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, but like they're they're uh, they're not. They're not being very nice to their uh, their soldiers.
0: They're, like, relentless.
1: Right, relentless. It doesn't matter. Yeah, just go. Yeah. Just yeah. go and attack. I
0: know you're not protected, right. but we have more people, so go.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: <clears throat> but if I can bring us back to the narrative, I know I jumped forward to when they mm-hmm. begin fighting, but there's something that happens in between that, yes. which is pretty, I think, pretty amazing. I remember reading the story for the first time and, like, comprehending it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, Moroni, so cool. So <laughs> they see <clears throat> that they're not armed, right? Like the, like the the Lamanites see, they weren't armed like the Nephites. So they are like, yeah, we're not going to come into them in the land of Jershan. So they retreat, okay, and they go back into the wilderness. Um, and their plans are to take the land of Manti. So they come by the river Sidon, I believe it is. I remember this mm-hmm. right. So they are like, we're going to retreat. We're going to come get them differently because in Jerishon, we're not having that. We're we're fearful. Uh, so they think that it says, for they did not suppose the armies of Moroni would know whether they had gone. Right. But this is the coolest part. <laughs> this is what I love about Captain Ronnie. Moroni in verse 23, it says, but it came to pass as soon as they had departed in the wilderness. Moroni sent spies into the wilderness to watch their camp. And Moroni also knowing of the prophecies of Alma. So he uses knowledge to help from the past direct his future, the future of his people. It says, sent certain men unto him desiring him that they that he should inquire of the Lord whether the armies of the Nephites should go to defend themselves against the Lamanites. So Moroni's is coming in here like we're not just going to pray that they don't come back. We're going to find out where they're going. And we're going to take steps ourselves, but we're also going to inquire of the Lord. Right. Which is the most important part of having the the Lord on your side and, and doing being righteous, right? Inspired by a better cause.
1: I, I would say it's it's definitely the most important part spiritually, but I really appreciate that he sent his spies to get eyes on them. And like he made an effort. He didn't just that's say, faith. hey, let's let's go and pray or let's go and inquire of the Lord.
0: Let's just hope miraculously.
1: Right. He he sent his spies to keep an eye on the Lamanites. Mm-hmm. And then he also, and what you said was that was faith. It is faith. Faith is it's action. an action as well. Um, because
0: let's think about it. Whenever you think of something in your head and you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I should do that. If it's a good thing, just do it, but then pray as well. So how I see this is Marona is like, oh, I got to figure out where they're going. But in the meantime, while I <laughs> wait on the Lord, I'm going to go just go ahead and do this thing because it's a good thing anyway. Mm-hmm. I you know, might as well try to f- figure it out. Worst case scenario, they don't find out anything and I'm still praying and waiting on the Lord. That's how I see it. Right. So whenever you're debating about a good thing, just do it because while you're doing that, that's that's you exercising faith waiting for an answer. Part of waiting upon the Lord, right, Kevin?
1: A hundred percent, yes. <laughs> so Alma, <clears throat> he informs these messengers uh, that the armies of the Lamanites were trying to circumvent the defenses that Moroni had set up in the land. They're going to go and march round about in the wilderness that they might come over into the land of Manti, that they might commence an attack upon the weaker part of the people. So, and isn't that a tactic of Satan, Mm -hmm. right? Going for people who are vulnerable, trying to to single those people out. Well, uh, that doesn't work because Moroni (laughs) obviously knows this now. He leaves, in verse 25, he leaves a part of his army in the land of Jershon lest by any means a part of the Lamanites should come into that land and take possession of the city. He took the remaining part of his army and marched over to the land of Manti. And he caused that all the people in that quarter of the land should gather themselves together to battle against the Lamanites to defend their lands and their country, their rights and their liberties. Therefore, they were prepared against the time of the coming of the Lamanites. So not only does he he take... Uh, the remainder of his army, but he also, he's a true leader. Mm -hmm. He calls up the people in this quarter of the land and he incites them to defend their lands uh, based on the principles of righteousness that they believe in. Mm -hmm. Right. If they didn't have those, those values, which are, they only exist because alma and other leaders of the church have have taught correct principles and and strengthened the church in the land right then uh yeah they wouldn't they wouldn't have those values and so again the hand of the lord is over this people as they hearken unto the prophets
0: so moroni is there and he now takes his army and into the valley near the river Sidon, which is where we know the Lamanites are coming. And so he, Moroni, places spies around about to figure out when exactly the Lamanites are going to come. And this is my favorite. This is, well, I have a lot of favorite verses, but my favorite verse of this chapter is 29. And I mentioned it earlier, but it says, And now as Moroni knew the intention of the Lamanites. I don't know what it is about the word intention for me, but it's always really struck me about knowing people's intention. I think it helps me make decisions. It helps me discern. And so Moroni makes these knowing the intention, not only because of his spies that he sent out, but because of the Lord being over him, right? And over his people. So he knows that these Lamanites are coming to destroy them, bring them into bondage and, you know, all the things that Satan would do.
1: If I may, the other reason, the reason that I think that's so powerful is because Moroni knew what was at stake. Mm -hmm. If they failed, it wasn't just, it wasn't just some little thing. It wasn't just, oh, we'll lose a battle or, you know, some people will die or whatever. It's the intent of the Lamanites is to subject them And bring them into bondage that they might establish a kingdom unto themselves over all the land that's that's unacceptable to moroni because it means that they will not have their liberty which Mm -hmm. means they do not have their religion
0: yeah and that's why he also knows the intention or the desire of the nephites which is why he's doing what he's doing right so he it says, therefore he thought it no sin that he should defend them by stratagem. Therefore, he found by or he found by his spies which of course the Leonites were to take. So he does not, you know, we are not a people that go to war just to fight and contend with blood. We don't do that unless we have a purpose and a and a better cause, which there's no wrong in Heavenly Father's eyes going to war to defend your freedoms, mm-hmm. to worship him. So absolutely that I love that too. He, he, he found no sin that he should defend them by stratagem. So anyway, he, at this point he divides the army and brought a part over into the valley and concealed them on the East. This is cool. It talks about where he like concealed them all. And then the remainder he concealed in the West Valley on. So he's got them in the borders of the land of Manti and he knows when they're coming. So he placed his army according to his desire and they were prepared to meet them. So here come the Lamanites. Anything else to say, Kevin? Okay. Here come the Lamanites in 34. It says, and it came to pass the Lamanites, came up on the north of the hill where a part of the army of Moroni was concealed. How cool is that? I mean, they're there and they're ready and the Lamanites have no idea. I just think that's so cool. Um, And it says, and the Lamanites had passed over the hill, which is where they're hidden, and came into the valley and began to cross the river Sidon, the army which was concealed on the south of the hill, which was led by a man whose name was Lehi. And he led his army forth and encircled the Lamanites about on the east in their rear. So they they got him, right? And, And it came to pass that the Lamanites, when they saw the Nephites coming upon them in their rear, turned them about and began to contend with the army of Lehi. So they fight. They don't flee. Like they did before. so Well, and they can't. They really can't, yeah. They're surrounded, right? Right. So they have no choice. And this is where I had jumped to earlier, Mm -hmm. is where they begin to fight and contend. And the more vital parts of the body are being protected with the Nephites. Mm -hmm. And those vital parts of the body are being exposed with the Lamanites. So there are Nephites who are falling by the sword, but it is not as many as the Lamanites
1: so if we may we'll we'll continue a little bit further so jumping to 39 it came to pass that the lamanites became frightened as they were were being struck uh, struck down and killed very easily because of the the lack of their armor and they did begin to flee but they began to flee towards the river of sidon They were pursued by Lehi and his men. They were driven by Lehi into the waters. And uh, then Lehi retained his armies upon the bank of the river that they should not cross. Now Moroni, he's in the valley uh, waiting for them. Then he meets with them. And the Lamanites did flee again before them toward the land of Manti. And they were met again by the armies of Moroni. So they've, they've just been at every turn Moroni's soldiers are catching them. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, at this point, they, they really do not have anywhere to run. Right. Um, so they did fight exceedingly in verse 43. Yea, never had the Lamanites been known to fight with such exceedingly great strength and courage. No, not even from the beginning. And they were inspired by the Zoramites and the Amalekites, who were their chief captains and leaders. Remember, murderous, wicked men. And they did fight like dragons. That's what it it describes, their fierceness, right? And many of the Nephites were slain by their hands, yea, for they did smite in two, many of their headplates, and they did pierce many of their breastplates, and they did smite off many of their arms. And thus the Lamanites did smite in their fierce anger. Now, this is a lesson, I believe, that you know, wickedness can get things done. Oh, right, well, yeah. Like,
0: I mean, how would Satan make it this far?
1: That's a good point,
0: right? Like, there has to be some. Uh,
1: There's utility.
0: Yeah, but like, wins right now. Right, like wins, they he has to see give them temporary wins and happiness, right, in order for them to continue,
1: right. And you know they're they're being. Again, they're it says they're inspired, but that inspiration, is to.
0: It's not a.
1: It's just survival, right? Yeah, it's, it's not just a good raw. inspiration. It's raw survival, and they are able to, in their fierce anger smite their enemy but in verse 45 it says nevertheless the Nephites were inspired by a better cause for they were not fighting for monarchy nor power but they were fighting for their homes and their liberties their wives and their children and their all yea for their rights of worship and their church this is the third time in this chapter that mormon has brought up their their values as as an as an asset mm-hmm. in their defense of their nation, of their people, because it's that important.
0: And he goes into it more in 46. It says, and they were doing that which they felt was the duty which they owed to their God. For the Lord had said unto them and also unto their fathers, that inasmuch as ye are not guilty of the first offense, neither the second, you shall not, you shall not suffer yourself to be slain by the hands of your enemies. And again, the Lord has said that ye shall defend your families even unto bloodshed. Therefore, for this cause were the Nephites contending with the Lamanites. Once again, to de- the fourth time, to defend themselves, their families, their lands, their country, their rights, and their religion.
1: Yeah. Now, in verse forty-six, when it talks about this uh, this first offense and the second, yes, um, you can follow that footnote. Under in as much, and and we'll talk more about it in chapter forty eight, but I'll read it right now. It says now the Nephites were taught to defend themselves against their enemies, even to the shedding of blood if it were necessary. Yea, and they were also taught never to give an offense. Yea, and never to raise the sword except it were against an enemy, except it were to preserve their lives. And then it also references uh, kind of an interesting set of verses in the Doctrine and Covenants in, uh, section 98, which it talks about the, and it's specifically with the saints as they're being, you know, persecuted here on the, uh, well, in the latter days. And it talks about how, you know, they, they're to conduct themselves in a way that, you know, you you don't immediately retaliate, but if you continue being uh, persecuted, well, then you do have a right to retaliate. And so it's something something interesting. Uh, I'd encourage you to go and study some of those verses. There's also some really good uh, resources in the Book of Mormon student manual that go into this idea of, you know we do have the right to defend ourselves you know uh, sometimes christian um christian beliefs uh are are made out to be purely pacifist which is true we don't we don't we don't make the first offense right but if we are uh if if our family specifically if our families and our nation is at uh, at risk, threatened, then we do have uh, we do have uh, we do have reason, a right, a right to and defend ourselves, and it's
0: okay, yeah, from the Lord. So moving forward, Moroni in forty eight, he sees how badly or how fierce it says mm. that the Lamanites are fighting. And it says they were about to shrink and flee from them, and Moroni, and perceiving their intent, sent forth and inspired the hearts with these thoughts: yea, the thoughts of their land, their liberty, yea, their freedom from bondage. So he was—he's saying the Nephites mm-hmm. were about to shrink and flee, but he said, "No, we keep going." Right? And he does this. Um, he turns upon the Lamanites, and they cried with one voice unto the Lord their God for their liberty and their freedom and their for, and their bondage. And they began to stand against the Lamanites with power. So right when they're about to shrink, they give up. Morona is like, no, this is the part where, this is like where you feel that resistance in your life, trying to grow into a better person, a disciple of Christ. That resistance, you don't want to shrink into that resistance because you're right on the edge of becoming who the Lord wants you to be. And so right in this moment, Moroni sees that because he's an inspired leader and he says we're not going to shrink we're going to (laughs) pray and we're going to stand against the Nephites and because they did that they are now um, standing against the Lamanites with power and they and the Lamanites begin to flee so the Lamanites flee to the waters of Sidon now this is this is also another reason I mean just the strategy of, of Moroni here So we get some insight here. The Lamanites were more numerous, right? We already knew that. And it says by more than double the number of the Nephites. But yet the Lamanites are the ones leaving, right? Um, And they start to flee. But they're also uh, encircled about by armies of Moroni, again, on both sides of the river, um, which also on the east, the men of Lehi. So basically, my point is they they go to run away and they can't. And so they're encircled, and Zarahemna, their leader, this, this ravenous, bloodshed enemy towards the Nephites, uh, he sees the men of Lehi on the east, the armies of Moroni on the west, and that they're encircled about by the Nephites. And they say, it says they were struck with terror. And so Moroni perceives this, he sees it, and he says to stop shedding blood. To his army. And that is where we get into verse, or not verse, chapter 44. But if I learn anything from that last part, it's just that part about not giving up right when you're on the brink of thinking this isn't gonna work or the Lord's not there. He's there. You have to remind yourself of your why, why you're fighting, that it's righteous. And even though it seems like you're losing, you're about to pull through. The Lord's about to come through. And for me, Moroni is an example of following the prophet because he's a leader. But I don't think he's a prophet. But he is he's an inspired leader. And he's not going to lead the people astray. And so when you trust in him and his commands, I mean, you're basically trusting in the Lord because he's inspired of him. And so don't give up. Look to your leaders and push forward. And eventually you will come through.
1: incredible insight that you helped helped me have here is is how many times like you're saying remember their why remember the reason that they're fighting it's set like
0: right you brought it up four
1: and now five times yeah uh I I lost count of how many times they had to keep reminding themselves and then Moroni at the end had to remind them again of like, hey, this is why we're fighting. We have to stay firm. We cannot stop.
0: Because like you said, he knows what's at stake. Yes. He knows that it's it's probably going to be much harder for them to get out of bondage mm-hmm. than it is for them just to fight right now with the Lord.
1: A hundred percent.
0: And they had every reason to, I mean, the reason you're constantly reminded of your why and them here i mean i'm sure they had reason to fear they could be fearful but what does the lord say in in the song what's that song called again uh that you referenced at the beginning of the podcast let us all press on. let us all press on he said you shall not or or the scripture you shall not fear if you're prepared right right so they just have to remind themselves of the reason why they should not fear and then push forward. And you might have to remind yourself of that every single day, every single moment, every single hour. It doesn't matter. Remind yourself and keep moving forward. And that is with, if we're likening the scriptures to ourselves, that is with every aspect or any goal that we are trying to reach in our lives. Remind yourself of your why. And that will propel you forward. Are you trying to find the verse?
1: If we do what's right, Thank you. we have no need to fear for the Lord our helper will ever be near.
0: I just picture this big movie scene and it just seems like all hope is lost, but it's not, right? No. It's never lost because, because of Jesus Christ, because he came, because he atoned for us. There will always be hope, even in the darkest moments when it seems like it's about to slip away. So I just know that to be true because I've had some pretty dark moments where I thought, I don't know how I'm going to keep going forward. I can think of two off the top of my head. But because of my faith in the Lord and in his son, Jesus Christ, well, Heavenly Father and his son, Jesus Christ, I kept going forward and I made it out. And there's going to be more moments like that to come in my life, but I know in who I trust. So... Any last words, Kevin? No. All right. Well, next week we're going to get into 44, which will probably remind you next week. But at this point in the narrative, Moroni has saw the fear in the Lamanites. And he makes them stop fighting. So we'll learn what happens after that.
1: Well, thanks, y'all, for listening. And, man, I had a lot of fun discussing this chapter. I didn't know how much fun it was going to be, but we've had, we've had these two weeks to prepare. It's like, it's, it's so expedient when we, I've said it so many times lately, when we miss a week, it's like, oh, there is a reason for that. We needed more time to prepare. We needed some, we had to, we had to be in the right mindset or whatever, but we appreciate y'all listening. Um, and we will see you next time.
0: Thanks y'all. Bye.
1: My dear brothers and sisters, I promise that as you
0: prayerfully study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will open and you will receive answers to your own questions and direction for your own life.